Hi there, and welcome to a different way of seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host, Lois Drachen, as she chats to people about work, education, travel, sport, the arts, and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to this episode of A Different Way of Seeing, a podcast where we talk all things disability. I'm your host, Laura Strachan, and today we're diving into the world of digital inclusion in the telecommunications industry. We're being joined by Dr. Karen Smith, who has recently published her thesis and received her doctorate on that subject. Karen, good morning. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you with us. Good morning, Lois, and thank you so much for inviting me to participate in one of your uh, podcasts. Well, it's a it's a subject that I think is really fascinating, and it's something that we're becoming increasingly dependent on our digital devices. So the subject of digital inclusion is something that touches all of us to a greater or lesser degree. So I'm fascinated mm. to learn more about your findings, your thesis, and some of the work that you've done in that area. But yeah. before we go there, can we just take a step back and ask you to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yes, certainly. Um, so I'm Karen Smith. Um, I live in Cape Town and um, I work at a telecommunications company um, and um, I've been working at that company for, for, for many, many years, something like 24 years. And um, yes, so would you also like me to, to tell you about myself, uh, Lois, at this point? I think that would be great if you can just give us a, an, an overview of who you are and... okay. Okay. So I, yeah, so as I say, I, I live in Cape Town. I've been married for um, 27 years. I've got one, one child. And um, in general, I just like to uh, be an advocate for people with disabilities to um, obviously to, to increase the, their participation in society. And uh, that, that passion comes from myself being a person with a physical disability. So I have had, um, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at the age of three or four years old. Um, and that was in the 60s. So they did not really know a lot about the condition and they experimented a lot. Um, <clears throat> I really spent most of my primary school years um, in hospital and we lived in a small town, so my mom always had to, you know, go up and down with me to Cape Town to to see the specialist. So, um, but I went school. I went. I went to the the, the school in the town, and, and and the children would help me and carry me and and, and so on. Um, so yes, uh, you know, growing up then with with this this disability um, in a single parent family scenario. So. 
and we, it was just my brother and myself. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then Lynn, at the age of almost 30, I, I moved to, to Cape Town. And I feel that was, you know, where things really started happening for me um, when I started to, uh, you know, learn to drive my own car or I got a good job when I moved to the city. Um, but, um, yeah, so also my, my, my rheumatoid arthritis has, um, it's been in remission, uh, so I don't have pain, but obviously it has done a lot of damage to all my joints. So I'm quite severely uh, mobility impaired. I walk with crutches permanently. Um, but despite that, I I live an active life. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely live a, a full life. And I must say my support system, my, my husband has just been so amazing in always uh, supporting me and assisting me with, you know, various things, whether it's putting on my shoes or, or whatever, uh, cooking food and keeping the house clean. He's really been um, a, a great support, you know, in my life. I think having a, a good support system is, it makes such a difference. And for myself as well, being visually impaired, you know, it, it makes my life just a little mm. bit easier. Yeah. Now, you've been very involved in advocacy work, particularly advocating for women and girls with disabilities. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the work you've done in that area? Yes, certainly. So in 2014, I started WANT. Now, WANT means Women's Achievement Network for Disability. And um, I then went into partnership with Marlene LaRue from Artscape. And I said to her, we got together um, I've noticed there's a big gap when it comes to girls with disabilities. They are absolutely invisible. I have just done research on them myself, just, you know, reading up uh, by myself. Um, and it was shocking what I found is that girls with disabilities are completely overlooked. And um, we discussed this and I said to her, let's what can we do? You know, we are today, we are women with disabilities. But at at when we were young, also Marlene at the age of three or four, both of us um, got disabled from that age. So, you know, we also were once girls with disabilities, teenagers with disabilities, young women with disabilities. Um, can we give back, let's give back to these girls because we know the barriers that we had to face growing up with a physical disability. We understand, we experience firsthand um, that that society really didn't, um, you know, give us a chance or they did not think that we would achieve something in life one day. <clears throat> Sorry, and and that's the big thing with a physical disability, is that people can look at you and within a split second, they can make a judgment over your life. And I know that those girls um, had these same challenges. Um, so I started speaking to different special schools, to the the, the the teaching staff, just to check 
um, and to find out more, you know, what is their experiences? Does it balance with what research is saying? And um, it was so much more um, when I started talking to the teachers to hear about the challenges of these girls with disabilities, because at school, they are just being taught about school lessons. They are just, the aim is just to get them through the school system, but there's nothing really more about motivating them or people really coming to them and saying, you know what, you can become anything you want to, or you can become successful one day, whatever success means to that person. Uh, it doesn't mean everybody's going to be a doctor and have three degrees and stuff like that. But what is successful for that person? And so we started these um, annual uh, events for girls with disabilities from special schools. Um, we did it in a over five years from 2014 to 2019. So just pre-COVID, we also then stopped. We couldn't con continue. So um, these girls from special schools, they were teenage girls, ages 13 to 19, um, together with the teachers would attend um, the event. But the event wasn't just an event whereby they came and they were observers. No, we did not pitch it like that. It was an event where we wanted them to feel and experience something in their soul. So not just listen to speakers or, you know, we wanted them to really, really see, see Marlene and myself, you know, I'm on crutches, Marlene has also got, uh, you know, her disability um, we ourselves, we facilitated the sessions, see ourselves struggling to walk in the venue, but we did that. Um, and then, um, you know, sharing our journeys and also inviting other women with disabilities to come and share their stories, especially younger women with disabilities. And we would we would have them dance. We would have them. I think the, 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 the great part was asking them to share. And asking them the question, what, what would you like um, or what is your dream for yourself one day? And having those girls verbalize what, what their dreams are, what they would like to become. Because though that's not things that, that they get asked um, in general. And... Um, and we were, and we said to them, we once were girls just like you. And, and we said to them, we, we, we stood there and, um, we said to them, we might be successful today, but we also had the same challenges you experienced. And then obviously we gave them tools and we made it clear that even if you have a disability, it's still your responsibility. Uh, to take action, to plan your future. So, yes, it's great. You must dream. You must have a plan for your future. But how does that happen? It's not going to fall out of the sky into your lap. So we we gave them the tools um, about planning and um, making them realize that people aren't good. That's just not going to happen. They need to work hard. Um, and use their networks. There's lots of resources today available for people with disabilities, which wasn't there 
when we grew up, for example, internships, <clears throat> learnerships, um, there's so many organizations giving bursaries, you know, um, there's just a lot of resources that if you want to, 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 to do something, you can, you can use those um, resources. And, and um, I think the other thing that we also said to them was, and, and this I think is a great benefit, um, Lois, for people with disabilities in general, which links to your topic of this discussion, is today you've got technology. So, you know, if you find it's difficult for you to attend, let's say, um, courses physically going there because we know transport for people with disabilities is non-existent. So there's so many barriers that we as people with disabilities need to overcome. Um, and that's where technology comes in because if you can't go to a college or any venue to attend a, a course, there's online courses and lots of them are even free. Um, so there's so many opportunities and 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 resources available that that you can go and that's at your disposal just to enrich yourself and you can pl plow that back in your in your community. So it was important for us to make them realize that they have got something to also give back to their communities and to their society despite having their disability. Because if we could do it, also coming from difficult backgrounds, uh, broken families, if we could do it, then we, we wanted them to understand and we wanted to motivate and encourage them and say, you know what, you also have that chance to enrich yourself and to, to grow and to develop yourself. And, and to become part of, of society in whatever small or big way. But your life can have a purpose. And I must say, um, Lois, it was the feedback from the teachers and, and the girls coming to Artscape, which is such a beautiful venue. They've never been there, most of them. You know, we really um, treated them like, like queens for, for, the, for, the, for the morning. And then they would... Um, they would, uh, you know, they were, they were never treated like that. Um, and we would give them nice things to take with. And um, they left there, you know, motivated and inspired. And I think a lot of them told us that they really felt um, encouraged and that they have got a chance, um, you know, to have a, also a future. And one of the girls that actually attended um, that we know of those sessions today is a successful singer. And she said her dream in one of our sessions was, I want to become a South African singer. And today she's a singer. And she verbalized her dream for the first time in one of our sessions. Um, yes, so um, that was hugely, hugely um, a successful um, initiative. And maybe we'll pick it up. Um, in in future again. So, Karen, that's that was phenomenal work, and I really hope that you do manage to find the time and the capacity to start that program again. Because I think you know one of the main reasons that I started this podcast is to allow persons with disabilities and persons without disabilities 
to see the world through our eyes, through our experiences, and realize that there are differences, there are options, there are possibilities. And I think the sharing of that message is so important. So I commend mm, you and Marlene yes. for that work. And I will wait to see in the future to see if the, the two of you mm. do manage to pick up the project again. Yes, yes, thanks. But I, I want to turn more now to telecommunications and digital inclusion. You yourself mm. said that you work in the telecommunications mm. industry. Can you tell us a little bit about your work and the work that you're doing? Yes, most certainly. Uh, so I head up the accessibility department within uh, one of the telecommunications companies within South Africa. And I've, I've been working in this company for, for 24 years. I really, really started um, um, at the bottom when I joined the company and that um, I started working as a call center agent in customer care. And that was after being retrenched from my previous job as a social worker. So I went from being a social worker also with, with um, people with disabilities um, to, to, to being a call center agent. Uh, at that stage, I had my own recruitment company and um Although I had a degree as a person with, with a disability, it was still difficult to get a job. And then one of the companies that I was providing um, disabled people to, the CVs of them, um, you know, I just decided let me also start applying because I got married at that time and I just had to get an income. And yes, so then I also threw my CV in and after lots of assessments and test and um you know i i made it and then that's so that's how i landed up in the telecommunications industry and um i must say from the moment that i started doing the word work working with customers um over the phone that was in 1997 so um mobile was still very new in south africa it was just three years old um and I absolutely fell in love with a with a type of work with technology. When I also started experiencing using a mobile device myself, um, how convenient it was. Mm. And then from customer care, I did not work long there. I worked in that area for eight months, and then I started applying for other um, management positions. And I then went into management positions. Um, in various groups of the company. So I've worked in billing systems, which was quite technical. I led a, a team of, 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 of technical um, uh, agents, um, monitoring systems. I then also um, at one stage worked in human resources. And that was where when the CEO started, asked me to start a division those years, we would call it employment equity. Nowadays, it's referred to as diversity and inclusion. So I started two offices, the, the DNI office, as well as um, the, the, the product office. So in other words, uh, focusing on colleagues and then focusing on consumers. And what I love about this company that I work for is the nature of its culture in that it was 
since the beginning that the company started in 1994, um, the culture was inclusive because they started employing people with disabilities in the call centers from day one. From day one, that operations opened up, um, they started employing people with disabilities. Um, and um, yes, so those two divisions I, I started, I, I relocated to an office in Midrand, where I then worked for three years to start those um, divisions. And then when it got so big, I then just um, specialized in the product division. So today I head up that division um, where I mainly focus on um, ensuring that our products and our services are accessible for people with disabilities. An example, you, you know, how how do how does deaf people contact um, uh, our organization? Because mostly you get numbers to call, but deaf people can't call. So what alternative processes do we put in place? And then it's also about um, educating our consumers with disabilities about accessibility, as an example, um, the accessible uh, devices like smartphones, Apple and Android devices. Um, we also um, we also um, partner with um, some organizations, um, you know, um, like for example, um, Cape Town Society for the Blind, we opened a smart digital center. So we provide them with devices and they would then train um, visually impaired people um, or blind people um, on, on how to um, navigate, use a touchscreen phone because for, for some um, blind people, it's, you know, it's daunting to start using a touchscreen phone and they then get students in and they take them through a six-month course as an example. And we even find that um, senior people deep in their 60s they do this course and they love it. And they say, you know what? I never, I never knew that all these apps exist and this is how I can download. We also, in the program, we, we also build in um, items like how can you save data? Um, you know, all of those tips and, and tricks um, to also make sure that people understand um, all of those different elements of a smart device. And then, Lois, my other big passion is um, I participate a lot in local and global ICT conferences because that's a platform where I can share my experience um, of the ICT world um, for people with disabilities and then encourage those um, attendees and even other speakers to pursue the digital inclusion of people with disabilities. So the ICT industry, and not even just the ICT industry, but I think any industry, whether it's retail, you know, it, it doesn't matter which industry it is, um, for people to realize that people with disabilities don't live on an island. They are part and parcel of society. And that disability is part of humanity. And um, so it's really something that organizations should, by default, think 
when they when they um, pl- do their strategy planning for the year, their focus areas is to make sure that they intentionally include people with disabilities in their strategies. Um, yeah, so I do. I I, I speak um, at at a lot of um, um, you know conferences, um, and that for me is one of my main purposes. Is also to advocate for for inclusion um, on all levels for people with disabilities. I want to talk a little bit about your doctorate, about what it was that you were investigating, and how you went about researching and. And, and planning your thesis. Mm. So I absolutely loved my topic. The topic was something that I um, know very well in the sense that um, it relates to the work that I do. But the fact that I did this research um, gave me more and deeper knowledge of inclusion. So it was great doing the research because I discovered gems and I discovered aspects of the ICT industry um, that, you know, that that I was not aware of. Um, so I investigated how the processes of technical companies can promote or hinder the digital inclusion of persons with disabilities. So I was very interested to see what are the processes that can promote the inclusion of people with disabilities. So when you are part of an organization or a company, what should you be aware of um, in terms of um, including people with disabilities um, as part of your consumer base? So in my study, I I, I, I did a, I conducted a, a case study of a mobile network operator in South Africa and I interviewed um, senior management members. And um, from the consumer side, I interviewed visually impaired persons. So I, I focused on visually impaired um, persons in my study. But what is great about the study is that it relates to any disability. So although my my participants were visually impaired people. Um, the findings, yes, relates to 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 to, to any any disability, and it it was um, I really enjoyed, you know, um, getting the feedback from those consumers in terms of how do they experience um, accessibility or how do they experience doing business with with companies um, in our uh, in our country, what were the barriers they, they experienced? And then also, what do they feel are solutions? What would they like companies to do so that they have a barrier-free engagement with that company? Um, <laughs> and then just... Mm. So carry on. So in a nutshell, I'm just going to end off by saying that um, the study showed that inclusive culture and inclusive design um, are the most important factors that companies can consider um, when wanting to include um, consume, disabled consumers. I think it's so true because, I, you know, it doesn't matter who I speak to, I, I keep hearing the message that building something with accessibility in mind is a yes. lot more cost effective than trying to 
re-engineer yes. and reverse engineer mm. something to become accessible. Yes. What, but what did you identify as being the main problems within the telecommunications field with the main barriers that your participants found? I've, I've discovered that that main bar- one of the main barriers were um, <clears throat> keeping uh, inclusive design up front. That's actually just what you mentioned now. Um, and um, because that type of environment is extremely competitive and it's very fast-paced. And um, yeah, so, so it, 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 even if, if some companies um, realize that they need to do it, then um, it didn't always happen. So keeping inclusive design up front, just um, when you map out uh, customers' journey, customers' journeys, when you everything do the marketing process, keep inclusive design up front, get users involved um, also to come and do user testing and so on. Um, so that was definitely one of the, the challenges was to do that. And then I think um, the second one is even in Africa, not just in South Africa, but in the rest of Africa is also affordability. So we know that people with disabilities are like 90% plus unemployed. Some that are employed, they don't earn much. Um, So that affordability is a, a great barrier in terms of getting connectivity, getting access to devices. Um, yeah, so I would definitely say those are the two main barriers. The, the, the positive point about affordability, though, is that um, prices, and I'm talking about South Africa, has been coming down in terms of, um, you know, data and, um, yeah, just certain usages and then also the certain devices um, but still, I, I think it's something the way, you know, that, that, that companies are working on and, and they do realize that affordability is a barrier, not just even for people with disabilities. I'm just thinking for people in general um, on the African continent. And, and, and they, um, it's positive to see that, that these, um, you know, uh, the action being taken to, to address that. I think you're right there because obviously with poverty being such a huge problem within our continent, and I'm not saying that, you know, I don't perpetuate the the stereotype that all of Africa is poverty stricken, but we do have a sector of our our society that does struggle with income and generating income with unemployment Mm. um, and and a lot of other associated um, challenges. So the Mm. cost side is, it is a big barrier. Mm. And Mm. I think as Mm. well, you know, what you're saying there is almost that's the the good side of mm. the telecommunications industry being so competitive. Mm. Yeah. Yes, it's fast paced and things change drastically mm. with mm. you know constant updates and, and changes. Mm. But the 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 positive side of it being so competitive is that it does impact on the cost. Mm. And it does yes. keep the costs and bring the costs down. Yes. So absolutely. that's quite interesting. And then from there, let's turn the tables over and say, what do you think the opportunities 
are if there is increased digital inclusion? Well, I think for um, ICT um, companies, it, it, it will be great because if digital inclusion is promoted, then more people will be connected. More people will become online. And that is what most ITC companies are striving for because they, they are also complying with the sustainable development goals of the United Nations. So, um, and, and that's really a big one is to, to, to get the masses connected and other opportunities, obviously, for people with disabilities. It's huge. I mean, it's actually endless because if, if you aren't connected, you are really going to stay behind. And, and that's not what, what, what these companies want. So when people with disabilities um, get connected, they then have opportunities to access, for example, employment. So nowadays, um, you know, everything is digital, recruitment companies. Um, you can get all of that information online. I know a lot of people go on social media. Um, they they um, can earn money that way or they can look for employment or promote themselves on social media. So it's just endless. Um, but employment for me is a big one. Um, and I think now what makes me excited about the fact that we had COVID, of course, COVID was quite devastating. Um, but I think the positive thing from COVID was that um, it showed to the corporate and not just the corporate, but I think both the public and the private sector that people with disabilities can be can work from home. And that for me is, is a big positive takeaway from the COVID. Um, and, and, and that all happens with, um, with connectivity and employment. So suddenly I say to employers, but immediately you have access to a bigger pool of, of people with disabilities. Um, they've been advocating for decades to work from home and that it was never granted. And, and now that has been proven all over the world that Working from home is a is an option, and and lots of companies follow that hybrid model now, where you know um, you can work either from the office or home. So I'm very excited about that, and and technology is big in enabler in that in that scenario. So so that people with disabilities or students can can you know work a few hours in a call center as an example but they can access employment or promote their own businesses online um, the other one that makes me very excited for people with disabilities they can access education when they um, are connected they can um, if they they can do courses online a lot of it is free they can study at universities uh, online if they don't want to physically perhaps attend a fine educational institution and then of course also something like access to information and just being connected to other people so so there's so much value value and opportunities and ultimately um, having access to digital inclusion, just to summarize all of this up, uh, is to say that it, it enables uh, people with disabilities.
anything to participate in society. You know, I think it's so true. And I, we also do need to acknowledge, though, that the digital inclusion within the telecommunications side is only one piece of the whole process. Mm. And, you know, there needs to be equally work done by organizations, by companies, by corporates, by recruitment agencies mm. to mm. make their side of things inclusive mm. as well. Mm. But it's it has to start and, and hopefully with it becoming more of a focus of the telecommunications mm. field, it will also spread from there to other industries. So it's exciting. And I think you're, you're absolutely right that just the connectivity, this that side of things does open a huge number of new opportunities. Mm. I'm also, I, I was listening very intently as you were talking about possibilities of employment that have arisen as a result of the COVID pandemic. And I think that's going to be a really interesting space to watch mm. in mm. the next few years to see how that actually plays out in terms of mm. working environments and hybrid mm. working models and things like that, mm. because it does mm. for, in terms of employment, mm. it totally disproves the belief that working from home, working remotely mm. is not mm. possible, mm. which has always been a huge barrier that we've mm. faced as persons yes. with disabilities. So very exciting times ahead, I think. Karen, if people would like to reach out to you to find out more about your work and about the, the work you're doing in terms of inclusion and in, in the telecommunications field, how can they contact you? Lois, they can just send an email to me. Um, I'll give the email address now. It's um, Karen, so it's K-A-R-E-N, Smith, S-M-I-T, and then the number 5050. So it's KarenSmith50 at gmail.com. And that would be the best way to, to contact me. That's perfect. Thank you so much for that. Karen. As one final question, let's, what, what advice would you give to telecommunications companies who are looking at whether their systems, their processes are inclusive? What advice would you give to them? Where should they start? Well, I would say to them, if people with disabilities are part and parcel of the diversity and inclusion agenda. So if they don't include disability within the diversity and inclusion strategies, then they can't say that they are an inclusive company. So for them to realize that people with disabilities um, are, yes, that they should consider including um, them and that disability is part of humanity. It's something that can happen to any person. Nobody is exempted from becoming dis uh, 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 disabled. And yes, we all, we human and our bodies, things happen to our bodies and our minds. It can happen to anybody. So it's just for me to 
for my main advice would be to create that um, view of inclusive thinking, not just woman or race, gender or race. Yes, that's of course very important and LGBT plus as well, but disability is part of that. And these elements don't have to compete with each other because I find often disabilities lost on the list. When it comes to DNI strategies, no, don't let these elements compete. They can run parallel because there's also intersectionalities. You can get a black woman that's gay with a disability. So for me, it's just about being aware that disability is part and parcel of your strategy. Thank you for that. I think that's very true advice. Karen, thank you so much for talking to us today. I've, I've really enjoyed learning a bit more about the work that you're doing and some of the studies that you've done. So thank you for sharing that with us. Big pleasure. Thanks, Lois. I want to apologize for the dog barking in the first half of the episode. Unfortunately, it is one of the realities of living with dogs, but hopefully it wasn't too invasive. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of A Different Way of Seeing. It would really help us if you could rate and review the show on iTunes. It helps other people to learn about the show and spread the word about what we're doing. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We would love to connect with you, so find Lois at loisstrachen.com or Facebook, Lois Strachan Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachan using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media. Naledi Media, all your vocal needs under one roof. Read by Charlie Jassy. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently.